What a beautiful experience that was. I was in the back just worshiping and watching and thanking God that the next generation is going to be raised up to praise him. Well, happy Father's Day. Good morning to everyone. I get to do this about, well, every couple months or three months or whenever it is. And uh, I got my phone here on a timer because my tendency is to save up three months of, of message and not have enough time at the end. So here we go. All right, I don't have a Father's Day uh, message, but fathers, I want you to think about this message this morning. I want you to be gospel-centered, gospel-focused, and gospel-saturated. Children, I have an assignment for you. I want you to go home and ask your father or your mother, what is the gospel? Now, maybe you know already, but ask them anyway. See if they can articulate that. Uh, see if they can explain it to you. And as we go through this morning, fathers, you'll know that, yeah, this message is for you, but it's for all of us. I want to talk to you about the beauty of the gospel. If I had a book and I had an island that I had to stay on, and I had to be there for a while, I would take the book of Romans. Now, if I was going to be there for a long while, I'd take the book of Psalms. That's the one I preached on a few months ago. But if I had to be there forever, I'd take the book of Isaiah, because it's a beautiful book, and I could spend all my life just reading it. The book of Romans is a little different than what we've just been through. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, they are the narratives. It's a different genre now that we come to the epistles or the letters. And these are just letters that Paul wrote, specifically this one to the Romans. He had never been to Rome. We think he was in Corinth when he wrote it. And he knew some people in Rome because if you read chapter 16, you see him greet them. Uh, one of the couples, actually, is Priscilla and Aquila, who he met in Corinth. Because in about 49-50 AD, Claudius, the emperor, had kicked all of the Jewish people out of Rome. And I think a bunch of Christians had to go too, and Priscilla and Aquila ended up in Corinth. Well, they ended up back in Rome, and Paul's desire was to go to Rome. He'd never been there. He had been inhibited going there. He wanted to go to Spain, actually. Uh, but he did get to Rome, and uh, we'll talk about that later. The beauty of the gospel. What is beauty? Well, the world's beauty is a lot different than perhaps what we consider beauty in the United States. The Maori woman, women of New Zealand tattoo their chin, and it's a sign of beauty. In India and other places, henna is tattooed all over the body. It's a temporary tattoo. In China, foot binding was very popular. Uh, they banned it in the 1940s, but the process of foot binding included breaking all of the toes, bending them backwards against the sole of the foot, and then binding them in place with a tight fabric wrapping. The result was small and petite feet, which is considered highly attractive in China, at least in the past. I don't think so anymore. 
Then there's a, a group in the Mercy tribe in Ethiopia that has lip plates that are considered very be beautiful. You may have seen National Geographic and, and that kind of thing. In South Korea, the current rage is undergoing plastic surgery to make one's face appear more heart-shaped. And in Japan, there's a craze for crooked teeth. Uh, women go to orthodontists to have extensive work done to make one's teeth look more crooked and uneven. You know, I'm not making this up, guys. It's, you know. Uh, in Africa and parts of Ethiopia and South Sudan, scarification. So they take a knife or some implement and put scars in the face and other parts of the body. I'm looking at a few more, so hope you're not grossed out by this. Uh, ear stretching in Africa and South America. Neck stretching, you may have seen the rings around African women and a whole, and they weigh about 22 pounds in the end, all those rings, because they stretch the neck because that's a sign of beauty in that culture. And then finally, in Mauritania, females with full figures are considered incredibly beautiful. Uh, thin women are considered physically undesirable. Mauritanian parents will even send their girls to fat camps where the girls would eat up to 16,000 calories a day to prepare for marriage. And on top of that, stretch marks are considered a bonus and even more beautiful. Think about that, ladies who have had babies, right? Beauty, what is it? The beauty of the gospel. Well, let me just bring it home to you in terms of my life. And this is not one-upmanship on Mike and Tim. They went into way more detail than I will, but... I found my bride in 1975 on a corner on Michigan Avenue in the city of Chicago. We were both going to Moody Bible Institute and he, she was a freshman. I was a resident assistant and we took our sister floor for a walk. And I remember that corner, August, I was struck, beauty. But you know what I saw in my wife was even more beautiful was one time we were on a train ride. We had both had the same professor uh, for different classes, and he invited us to his home in Wheaton, Illinois. And we went on the train, had a great meal, fellowship together, and on the way back, we were all sharing our testimonies, our stories of how we came to Christ. And as Denise, my wife, shared that story, that was it. I fell in love with her because I could see the beauty of Jesus Christ as revealed in the words that she was sharing, how her dad had led her to the Lord. And when I talk about the beauty of the gospel, we're talking through a lens that only God has. We will not truly know of the beauty of our God until heaven. We can see some of the beauty in Jesus Christ. We can learn of it, meditate on it, and attempt to give how beautiful he is. Am I breaking up, Holly? Keep going. It is the lens of God's measure of beauty we want to look through as we look at the beauty of the gospel this morning. So I'm going to read to you from Romans. Mike read part of it. And it's Romans 1 and verses 14 through 17. And it's going to be the focus of my message this morning. I, under, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that verse says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the three points I want to get across this morning to you is there's an attractiveness about the gospel. That's the beauty. There's an explosiveness about the gospel. That's the power it has to grip our souls. And there's an inclusiveness to the gospel. The gospel's for all people, to the Jew and to the Greek. And as Paul says in verse 14, to the barbarian. The beauty of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. That's kind of a negative way to say it, isn't it? But if you go down to chapter 10 in Romans and verse 15, there's a verse that says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Paul is actually using that verse from uh, a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 52, in which Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And I wondered why Paul left out the mountains. And I figured it out, I think, because we don't just go to the mountain. The mountain was Mount Zion, Jerusalem. It was all about Israel. But the gospel is for everyone, and we'll get to that in the last point. And that's why Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, if I took my shoe off and then my sock, you would see I do not have beautiful feet. Uh, some of you wear sandals and you have beautiful feet. And those of you who don't, we admire them. We're not looking at them all the time. You know, it's not obsessive compulsive. But when I look down at somebody's feet and they look nice, wow, I'm impressed. Paul is not talking about the quality of your toes, all right? What is he saying? He's saying that there's beauty in the gospel and those who bring it to others bring something beautiful and end up being beautiful themselves. Why don't people receive that gospel? Well, we have to realize that in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, and then in 2 Corinthians 4, there's some teachings there that Mike's not going to get to. He's going to be preaching on grace, so I'm not stealing from you, Mike. But 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man, the natural person, does not understand the things of the Spirit. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, Paul says that people's minds are veiled, that the gospel is hidden to the unbeliever. It's beautiful to us, but not to them. And there's one more verse, and that is 2 Corinthians 3, and I'm going to read that one. So I think it has real application to us. 2 Corinthians 3. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. 
I was at the uh, greenhouse yesterday, and I was walking between the cold frame and all of the other buildings that house all of the flowers, and the, the aroma was just wafting. And I thought, wow, if I could have just bottled that and just opened it up and let you smell, and you would smell just fragrant aromas from all of those flowers, all of those beautiful creations of God. And that's what we are. That's what the gospel is, an aroma, a beautiful fragrance. However, it's a fragrance of death to those who are unbelieving. Now, I went down to Walmart yesterday and tried to get some skunk smell. I'm glad I didn't. They didn't have any. So just pretend, all right? And I'm not going to open it because if I opened it, oh, you guys would leave and uh, this service would be over. Skunk smell. You ever smell it? It's an aroma of death, it seems like. <laughs> a couple days ago, I'd take a walk down this road here most every day in about 40 minutes, and when I come back, and when I came back into my driveway, I smelled it. And I was kind of scared. I'm not usually scared, but I was scared because I, I heard something in the bushes, and I didn't want to be sprayed, you know. We are the aroma of Christ to people. The beauty of the gospel is in Jesus Christ, and we have him. Mike was uh, asking people to, to take the Lord into their hearts. That's where he is. We have Jesus in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God the Father, all the triune God in us, but we have Jesus, and that's the beauty of the gospel. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so what are we to do? We're to pray. We're to ask God for their souls. Paul says in, uh, I think it's chapter 10, it is my heart's desire and my prayer that my people be saved. He's talking about the Jewish people. Uh, when you break down Romans, Romans 9 through 11 is all about what, what, what about the Jewish people? How come they're not believing? They were promised all of this. And he says, it's my heart's desire and my prayer. Uh, Mike made mention of prayer the last Sunday of June. Come and pray with us. We're praying for this state. We're praying for this area. Uh, I've got a burden for West Paris in the last five years. I don't know what to do with it yet, but I'm praying. That's where we begin. Uh, we pray for souls. I'm praying for my brother. Uh, some of you have been praying for him. I don't know if I shared this from the platform, but he has uh, dementia. He's eight years younger than I. He has frontal lobal dementia, and there's no cure for it. And so in April, I went down to see him. I've been praying for him, that I could share the gospel with him before, before his mind is not there. And I got to talk with him. I took him on a walk. And I asked him the question, are you going to heaven? And he said, not yet. Well, his mind is, is childlike. And then I thought, I had to adjust. And I thought, Lord, how can I get the gospel to him? I had shared it with him 50 years ago when I was 18 and he was 12. Something like that. But I was sharing the gospel with him. And as I shared the gospel with him, as we rounded the bend to come back, I saw a softening in his face and tears come to his eyes. Because I just shared with them that Jesus died for our sins. And it seemed as if 
his childlikeness allowed him to receive that message. I'm going to keep praying for him. I'm going back in July, Lord willing, and I'm going to see if he remembers what I said. You ought to be praying for your neighbor, for your brother, for your sister, for your wife, for your uncle, for your grandfather, whoever. Get on your knees. Weep. Kneel. Stand. I don't care where you go, but pray. Because the beauty of the gospel is that God can reach anyone. Let me move on to the power of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's beautiful. For it is the power of God for salvation. The word is dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. Explosive. Why is it explosive? Well, let's think about some testimonies. You guys know Rosario Butterfield? I know Dennis does, right? Anyone else? Yes, a couple of you do. What a marvelous story. Just Google Rosario. She has two or three books. I'm reading one right now on hospitality. Beautiful book. Uh, she was a professor, tenured professor at the University of Syracuse, New York. And she was a lesbian who was living with her partner, an activist, LGBT activist, environmental activist. Uh, she taught uh, 19th century literature and uh, was in, involved in feminist theory and queer theory. And she was doing a, a, some research on evangelicals. And she wrote something in the newspaper and a pastor, old Presbyterian pastor, wrote her back and invited her invited her just to have a meal. And so week after week, Rosario would come to Ken's uh, house, he and his wife, and he didn't talk to her much about God or church or anything, just befriended her, just loved her. And then slowly but surely, the gospel came up. And God's power, his dunamis, took hold of this young lady's life. This was 1999, she just got tenured, and in two years, 2001, she was married to a Presbyterian minister, and she's now a pastor's wife, serving the Lord. Thursday nights, she has hospitality night. That's what's in her book. Opens her home, has minestrone soup and bread, and anyone can come, believer, unbeliever. And I'm just taking up on that. I'm making Monday my hospitality day, applying, because... We need to reach people with this beautiful gospel. It's powerful. It has the ability to change a person's life. Rosario's life was changed, radically changed. I want to talk to you about a young lady who's sitting here in our midst who is allowing me to share this with you. Those of us who believe in the gospel can bring God's power to the world. We can be salt and light. This is a, a shout-out that was written about Lisa, Lisa Whittemore, by faculty. Lisa Whittemore is the kindest person I've ever met. I always love seeing her smiling face in the halls, and she goes above and beyond to build up the people around her, staff and students alike. Simply put, 
She is wonderful. Well, Jay, you can attest to that, right? Amen. Amen. I got a similar note from a student. I won't read the whole thing, but I'm going to read you this, this little part. He's a science guy. He says, even though history and government may not on the surface be as complex as math or science, I genuinely believe you to be one of the smartest, he's not right on that one, most caring people I have ever met, and you are a true inspiration for the man I hope to become. Thank you so much for your countless hours and your unceasing love for your students. Now, I don't re read that about Lisa or read that about me to bring light to us. It's God's power. It's God's work in us. And we're in the marketplace. We're in the workplace. And we have to be salt and light so that we can bring the gospel to people. Now, I can't always say it. I can't always mouth the words of the gospel. But I can live it. And I can affect other people's lives. And so can you. Because the gospel is powerful. Now remember, the gospel has to do with salvation. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But remember, salvation is not just getting saved, it's also being saved. And one day, we're going to finally be saved. What did Paul say? Who will deliver me? from this body of death. Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. So we have justification. Paul speaks about that in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's the past. God saves us from the penalty of our sin. We have sinned against a holy and righteous God. Sin is an abomination to God. We don't realize that. We don't think about that. His holiness. He can't even look upon it in one sense, Habakkuk says, right? But the righteous man shall live by faith. So we live by faith that he who sent his son to die for us gives us forgiveness. Romans 4. David speaks about that. Blessed is the person who sins are forgiven whose sins the Lord will not take into account that's justification sanctification is present we're being delivered from the power of sin on a daily basis and that's where the struggle is isn't it I see it in your life my grandchildren I see it in my life struggle and Paul talked about it in Romans 7 the good that I want to do I don't do the things that I don't want to do I do who shall deliver me? You know, what well, he says, wretched man that I am. And that's our present sanctification, holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You can't just make a decision. You can't just walk down an aisle. You can't just pray a prayer. All those things are good. It's a start. But you have to continue. And if you read Romans 6 through 8, that's what Paul's talking about in terms of sanctification. However, he says in Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we can't beat ourselves up. Uh, we sin. We confess. Short accounts with God. Done and over with. And we move on. And then lastly, glorification. One day, this body of death 
will be gone. Put on a new body. We'll be ushered into the presence of God and we'll truly know what his beauty is. Truly know what his magnificence is. Truly know of the Lord. Well, the third and last point I have this morning is that the gospel is inclusive. There's an attractiveness about the gospel. There's an explosiveness about the gospel. And there's an inclusiveness about the gospel. The gospel is for all people. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you were ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. I hope, as we think about, and Tim mentioned it last week about social justice, as we think about racism, as we think about the difficulties in our country, I hope and I pray that we as Christians love all people. Doesn't matter the color of your skin, the shape, how big you are, how little you are, how young you are, how old you are. We love people, all people. Jesus said, come unto me, all you, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And there's another verse in, in Revelation that I want to read, and I'm coming to a close here. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, listen to this, this is the eternal gospel, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. God's gospel, and it's called that in Romans 1, is a glorious gospel. It's a great gospel, and it's a gospel for all people. But if someone rejects, then they go somewhere else. They don't have Christ. There's a place called hell. There's a judgment to come. I just finished the book of Revelation. It's scary. And yet it's glorious because Jesus is the overcomer. And we can overcome because of him. But it's scary because if a person does not take Jesus as their savior, there's no hope. Absolutely no hope. And so in each one of these, we have a, a, a flip side, beauty, but stinkiness to people who don't accept. We have, what's my second point? Somebody help me, see if you learn. Power, thank you, Mike. We have power, but power is also in God's wrath. Romans 1.18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness for those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It's a scary thing. Paul says in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Do you know the fear of the Lord? Do you know that there's a day coming when God the judge will judge all of us? And if we have Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation.
to those who are in Christ Jesus. Read Romans 8. You should memorize it. A beautiful passage. If God before us, who can be against us? And it ends with, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel, the beauty of the gospel. We're going to sing, God so loved the world. Guys are going to come up. And, uh, but before we do that, and they can come up, I want to tell you just one story, one quick story Paul Washer tells. He was in Canada, right on the border of Alaska, and uh, he was preaching in a church, maybe 20, 30 people. It was a small town. He said there were more grizzly bears in the town than there were people. And he, he's preaching, and all of a sudden a man comes in. Big man, big hands. Said he could have wrestled all of us and beat us. And he came in, he looked so sad, and Paul Washer began to preach, and then he changed his message, and he was preaching to this man. And after the message, he went down to him and said, Sir, you, you look so sad. And the guy shared uh, x-rays, and he had three weeks to live. And Paul said, Did you understand the message? Well, yeah, it was simple. Do you believe it? Well, I'm not sure. Paul Washer said, I'm going to cancel my flight and I'm going to spend the next three weeks with you until you're converted or you die and go to hell. But I'm going to be with you. And they, they read the scriptures and they talked, talked and talked. And all of a sudden, Paul Washer didn't know what to do. And he said, let's re read John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world. And the man said, I, I already read this a hundred times. And he began to read it. And as he read it, he said to Paul, Huh, huh, I'm saved. I'm saved. I believe. And Paul Washer just hugged this man and he died a couple weeks later. But he knew what it meant for God so loved the world.